Welcome to the GeoMob podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, be it for fun or profit. Welcome back, everyone. Ed here again for another episode of the GeoMob podcast. My guest today is Tom McWright, who is the maker of a software called Placemark. Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Introduce yourself. I suspect many of our listeners might know you, particularly the uh, software developers. Um, you're pretty well known on Twitter. You're also, I, I think, quite well known as being one of the very first uh, engineers at Mopbox. Um, and we're responsible for many of the, the great tools and libraries built there. But um, tell us a bit more about yourself, and then let's dive into what Placemark is. Yeah, sure thing. Um... Let's see. So yeah, I've been um, working on creative tools for my whole career, essentially, um, starting off with Mapbox and then spent a little time on working on tools for coding uh, at Observable um, and then at a company that was doing tools for CAD software. Um, and I've kind of circled back to maps in the last, um, well, in the COVID era, essentially. Um, I think I'm one of many people who has uh, who's done some deep thinking about their life direction and what they really wanted to do. And I ended up uh, wanting to, you know, you know, build a thing solo. When, when you don't know which direction to go, a map is very helpful. <laughs> exactly. So tell us what, what exactly is Placemark? What is this project that you're on? So Placemark is um, a tool for one part of the map making process, specifically really the, the data component. And so like collaboration, QA, um, and it's, uh, it's meant to be like really complementary to the rest of the geo stack. So you're not going to replace Mapbox Studio with it. Um, but I, you know, it kind of, it kind of naturally grew out of what I thought um, geojson.io, which is this open source website where you can just go and kind of drop a map or draw a line on a map. I, I use, first of all, I, I need to, there. I need to thank you for geojson.io because I use it all the time. Um, <laughs> so uh, it's a great, great service where I can very quickly draw geometry and grab the geojson of it. So, um, so Placemark is going to be similar. Like, what, what, what would be the use case of why I would use Placemark? Yeah, it's kind of the. It, I'm always I'm astounded by how uh, persistent geojson.io has been. I mean, I, I built it on a whim a bunch of years ago, and it hasn't changed in a solid four or five years. Um, and there are just a lot of things that are slightly uh, off with it. And then there are lots of things that you could go so much further. And so Placemark is trying to be kind of the spiritual successor um, and just fill in a lot of the places where like GeoJSON.io is really useful for people who are really com comfortable with, with, you know, geospatial formats and the rest of the mapping stack. And Placemark is trying to cover just a little bit more of it kind of, um, be a little bit more user friendly, be able to manage more data. It has its own storage. And um, I think the biggest difference is just that it has a really strong focus on collaboration. Um, so you can you can kind of collaborate on the same map in real time with other people. Um, and you know, that kind of opens up a lot of opportunities for you to do things with APIs or real-time data um, and so on. So but Apologies that I haven't seen Placemark because it hasn't. It hasn't actually launched yet, has it? Or it's in it's in kind of a private invite mode. Is that the current status? Or yeah, it's um, in private beta right now. There's uh, 15 people uh, in the in the beta right now, 
Oh, wait, no, 16. I just added one more person, like, right before the call. But, um, yeah. Well, I must have overlooked my invite. Um, so it's a it's a desktop software, or it's a browser-based, or how, do, how does it... What is it exactly? It's web software. Yeah. So it's, like, okay. you know, it, it's a website. You might wrap it with um, a desktop app in the same style as Slack and everything, but it's it's a web native um, product. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. And and I guess I guess one of the biggest differences with, with Placemark then versus some of the, the other projects that you mentioned is that this is your business. Is that correct? I mean, you're, you're the founder of the business and... and uh, <laughs> You're the sole uh, uh, person behind it, or and so what? What prompted that going that path rather than uh, I don't know working within a company and doing this doing this there? Or what, like, what what made you decide you wanted to build your own geodata manipulation software as a as a standalone business? Uh, the experience of doing a lot of other things. Um, I think the experience of working in open source for quite a long time and working at like venture funded startups. Um, it, uh, you know, I care a lot about building products and making things that the world can enjoy and hopefully, you know, continuing to work on them for uh, years and years and making them better. Um, and I think like having a, having a little small business that um, is, you know, is the owner of Placemark is the thing that, makes Placemark sustainable is is one of the routes to doing that. Um, and it's also just like something that I, you know, I, I guess on a personal level, I kind of, um, I value independence quite a lot. <laughs> so it's it's fun to to try out the idea of, of being a business, of being a uh, Delaware LLC in the United States. And, and so what will, what will the model then be? I have to, I pay a kind of subscription fee to get access to Placemark. Is that, is that how to work or, or? Yeah. Oh, um... yeah, yeah. So it's it's going down kind of the traditional SaaS route. Um, the plan right now is to have no free plan. That's, I guess, the most dramatic business decision that I'm clinging to right now, and to have a reasonable, you know, per seat pricing. I, I think that's a good plan. As someone who operates a uh, a freemium business myself, it is it is amazing how much time you can waste on having to deal with people who will go to any lengths to avoid becoming a customer, like, you know, people who sign up for a hundred accounts and things like that. And it gets so demoralizing after a while. So, um, yeah. yeah. And, and then also, you know, over the years, we've seen so many cases where very, very cool, very innovative services eventually fade away because they're not maintained. And, and so it is critical to have the business model behind it that allows someone to, to, to spend their time improving the software and, and keep it going. So, um, good luck. What, so, so what, what can we expect of the software? I mean, like what, what are the, um, what are going to be the kind of features that would, that would make someone say like, you know, this is great. I should, I, I need this. Um, I mean, I think it's kind of a combination of, uh, finding the right mix between, power and ease of use um, is just what I think about all the time. And I think you can easily go to one extreme of that. You can build either like Google My Maps where all you can do is drop a dot and label that dot. Yeah. Or you can do the full ArcGIS route. 
Um, and finding ways in which the software can be a little bit more intuitive without sacrificing power is kind of the, you know, that's the challenge of all software. I'm just kind of fighting the same monster that everyone else is. Um, and that's, uh, that's the way in which everyone is just like, oh, you know, why don't we have Photoshop, but easy to use? It's because right. Photoshop is powerful, you know? Right, right, um, right. <laughs> well, making then, something simple is so hard. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I'm, that's, the, that's the goal, to make something that's both simple and powerful in the ways that matter to people who are working with data sets. Um, and then the other thing is that, you know, I think uh, collaborating on geospatial data sets, that's the one part where um, it is a little bit greenfield still. Um, the, the solutions for working on, you know, a shapefile or something like that, it's still in the, in the area where a lot of people do have shared drive um, or they have, you know, shapefile underscore ABC or they're storing right. something, something in GitHub. Um, and I just think, you know, I think we can do better. I think Placemark already is uh, doing something interesting with the ability to work on the same data set in a team. So when, when, when can we expect, the, or what's the schedule? When will people be able to give it a try and get their hands on it? Oh, soon, I hope. <laughs> um, last year was kind of my, my dream target. Um, but early, early this year, I am, uh, I've been getting amazing feedback from the folks who are, um, who are using who are, it, you know, using it. And it sounds like it is already kind of useful for a lot of use cases. So as soon as there are not um, bugs that I am incredibly embarrassed about, um, or not too many of those bugs, um, I'm gonna, you know, push it out the door and hope for the best. Any technical surprises? I mean, as someone who obviously has a has a extensive background in building these types of tools and working in this problem space for for a long time, any any things that came up in the development that kind of surprised you that that took you in a different direction than you thought, or or based on the feedback, you know, things where you're like, oh, I didn't consider that, or oh yeah, yeah, quite a lot. Um, I, I think a lot of a lot of the technical um, challenge has been around collaboration, um, and, and I knew that going into it that it was it's just really hard to make something that's collaborative, um, and it's kind of all part of the same thing, like doing real time data and doing collaboration and doing offline first applications and doing versioning. They're all just kind of the same problem from different angles, wow. um, and going through the tech. With that, even though I had been through implementing a semi real time system with observable, um, it was still kind of a, a you know a big new experience, and still a lot of things were like a lot of the real time collaborative systems that we work on have these very constrained data sets or very simple data models, and as anyone who works in maps knows, geo is neither. You know, hmm. Geo is the superset of all of the problems that a data set could have. Um, so, you know, putting it into a real-time model has been has been a real challenge. Where where does the data reside when in your in your architecture? Is it you have, you have cloud servers somewhere, and then like I and my collaborators were both editing that, or is it peer to peer, or how how or it's local, and then at some point it gets synced, or how does it? Uh, so as it currently exists, um, I'm using Replicash. So it's a combination of local and cloud. 
Um, so everything that you do is kind of uh, saved offline first on your local copy, and then it's synced, and then you come to a you know shared state, essentially. So if you're disconnected for a little while, then your changes will replay on the server. Um, I, I wish that it was peer-to-peer. And I, that was also something where I spent, you know, two or three months just right, hoping yeah. that I would find the thing. And uh, unfortunately, there's not really like a, I think everyone kind of thinks that there's like some conspiracy against uh, peer-to-peer software and like everyone wants centralization. There's no conspiracy. It's just a unbelievably hard problem, especially in this. Yeah, I could, I could definitely imagine that. I, I, it would be a nightmare. So, um <laughs> The moment that somebody solves that problem, though, I am I'm all in. I'm I'm really pumped for it. How? What's your um, more on the business side? What's your plan of how to kind of market this uh, once once it's once once it's open to the public? How do you um, how will you go to market? Uh, I mean, content. You know, um, that's I my my plan for marketing is really like lowercase m marketing to get me to the to the first step. Um, and that includes things like I'm, you know, I'm pretty comfortable just sitting down and having an idea and hitting publish on a blog post a half an hour later. Um, and I've, I've done that for the last decade. I'll continue doing that. Um, and the same with just like all other kinds of media, um, in terms of marketing with like a capital M, I think that's one of the many things where I'll have to learn it when I get there, um, or hire somebody to, to, you know actually know it and um, do the do it do it properly instead of doing it the half-assed way that i do it it's hard <laughs> speaking from my own experience in a bit like trying to market a tool in a crowded space it's uh, difficult i guess the one big advantage that that your service has is just by its very nature of being a collaborative tool so like if i use it and then i invite my friend you know so, so the the customer kind of does the work for you to a degree much, yeah. much more than a static kind of where I'm just editing for myself type tool. So, I don't so know that's a big advantage. Saw, um, the the founder of Gumroad had this blog post a little while ago. It's like how I failed to build a billion dollar business. Yes, yes, I've read it. Yeah, very famous in the bootstrap <laughs> space. So it's that that one chart where it's like the growth of Gumroad and there are little arrows and it's like here's where we stopped marketing entirely and you just can't tell. You can't tell, yeah. It's just so hard. But then that can also get, just speaking from my own experience, a couple of years ago, we, um, you know, our business has also been growing very linearly. And there, there are two ways you can look at it. And you can be, you know, but you think to yourself like, oh, I just need to get this one feature and then it's going to explode. Or, you know, oh, we'll do this, you know, uh, marketing campaign and it's going to explode. Um. But then it also can work the other way. You're like, oh, well, my kids are off school, so I'm going to take the summer off. And then afterwards, you look and they're like, oh, it kept going literally. So maybe I should take the autumn off as well. <laughs> you know, and like, it's very easy to um, just kind of be like, nothing I can do can influence this. So let me just do nothing, um, <laughs> exactly. which obviously it can't be the truth. But um Anyway, that's very cool. Um, uh, it's not often that we hear of bootstrap startups in the, um, you know, in the geo space, right? I mean, particularly, uh, 
as 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 geo has gotten more and more focus over the last couple of years, you know, more and more kind of money has poured in, more VC money, um, and uh, you know, with your old friends at, at Mapbox probably being the canonical case of like a massive um, explosion in funding, and but also in, in just in size of the business and things. So, um, any any advice you have for anyone out there thinking of trying to do their own geo startup or is it kind of still too early to to say <laughs> oh it's way too early for me to give other people advice i um have not you know i have not really made my first SaaS dollar on the internet um i would but actually the one thing that i would say is that um right now the only real rational move for somebody who wants to make a lot of money is to work for Facebook, Google, Apple, or Netflix. Um, you just can't like open up levels.fii, look at the salaries, and then choose to do anything else with your life. Um, well, it's not so easy <laughs> to get a job there per se. Particularly, I, I guess it's probably easier if you're in the states, but it is that is changing now because obviously remote is becoming more of an option and things like that. But um, you know, it's it's not. Uh, I don't think it's so simple to just snap your fingers and get that job. And then even if you do get that job, it's not clear you can, you're going to be in the, the, you know, the group that's working on the thing that you find interesting. Right. I mean, you might, you might get assigned to something else and that can be pretty soul destroying. (laughs) I think it's really unlikely that you're able to work on like the really cool thing. And yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the thing is that there are always like non-economic reasons for why you do decisions. And a lot of the reason why I'm like doing placemark is kind of non-economic stuff. Um, it's not based on, you know, me sitting down with like an Excel spreadsheet and figuring out the possible outcomes. Right. It's like that, that does not, it's not really a rational risk to take, I think. Yeah. I don't know. It, you know, as someone, I, I started my career at, um, at Yahoo 20, Hang on, I'm going to date myself here. Almost 25 years ago. And when I joined, it was the hot internet company. <laughs> and um, literally the week I joined the company, the founders there were on the cover of Time magazine. And, um, and it was blind luck that I ended up there. Uh, and, and it was fantastic. When, 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 the, when it's going, everything's going up, you know, and the company's growing and you get more and more opportunities, it's great. And then five years later, it, all of a sudden, it wasn't fantastic anymore. <laughs> yeah. And um, and you know, I know people who then then eventually I left, and but I know people who then stayed too long, right? And and obviously, then they could move on and go to another big internet company. But you know, it feels like uh, th- there's also risk. I think at the big company. I mean, you 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 yes, you can make a nice salary, and maybe you can work on something interesting that is used by a lot of people. But like. You're not in, in command. You're not. You're, you're you're the passenger, not the driver. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, you know, if the bus doesn't go where you want it to go, <laughs> it, you you might have to get off where in a neighborhood you don't like. So. Um, all right. So enough enough kind of tortured analogies there. <laughs> but um, uh, I guess on that note, um, uh, while we have you here, as one of the you you were you were in the, in the very early team at Mapbox, right? Uh, um, yeah. Any any thoughts on how Mapbox has developed over the last? I mean, it's been quite a while now, hasn't it? It's been like ten, twelve years or so, maybe longer, huh? Yeah, I um, 
I interned and got a job at Development Seed in 2008. Okay. And um, that team turned into Mapbox in, I don't know, 2010. Um, yeah, I think 2010. Uh, and oh, it, it is really, um, it is funny to see the tiny 10 person underdog become something that people talk about in like hushed tones as like the, you know, the, the 800 pound gorilla of geospatial. Yeah, I, I, I think it's, you know, it's, in, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, now having worked at Mapbox, I'm not, not knowing people inside Mapbox well at all. Um, I'm speaking just as someone who's like a user of Mapbox services and, and admirer of many of the things they've built. I, you know, obviously it's fantastic. Um, some of the products that have come out of Mapbox and um, how it's pushed, pushed what's possible and, and, also helped massive, massively with the um, perception of OpenStreetMap in the uh, you know in the business world and and showing what is possible there. So it, it is kind of alarming though. Then it, it does feel like in the uh, let's say in the OpenStreetMap community and and in in that community it, it does feel like the mood is kind of tipped against Mapbox to a degree. Um, yeah. and maybe that's an overreaction, just like probably the euphoria was too much in it, you know, 10 years ago, maybe the negativity is a bit much now, but, um, I don't know. It's kind of sad. So, yeah, I, I mean, OpenStreetMap cares a lot about its independence. Um, and I, I think that's totally fair when so many corporations benefit so much from it. Yeah. Um, and maybe see some value in having power in the organization. You know, it's kind of natural that they're going to um, uh, that they're going to be afraid if an organization has seats on the on the board or whatever. Um, but I, you know, I I think it's because of Mapbox's proximity that they get a lot of heat. Um, there are other companies that are, you know, Mapbox is for all it's done technology wise, um, and I think it's. You know, I, I'm extremely proud of just how much innovation, to be lazy about the word, came out of there and is still coming out of there. Sure, even, rightfully so. And even, you know, 2022, Mapbox is like a 700-person company. It's like one-tenth the size of, like, the Apple Maps team, you know? Here right. has, right. like, 7,000 employees. Um, and, you know, Facebook, like, it, it's just... Yeah, it, it is still occupying so much more of the brain space than it actually is of, you know, people and money. Mm. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's it's pretty wild that like Apple Maps was using OpenStreetMap for a little while. It's pretty wild that, you know, Uber was using OpenStreetMap. Um, and I think those are as important things to think about. Sure, sure. I also have mixed opinions about the the OpenStreetMap community sometimes, and the thing is that it's it's my basic conclusion. You can't really say there is one OpenStreetMap community. There are many different people who have many different opinions and voices and cultural contexts, and um, it's frustrating because sometimes some people speak quite loudly and kind of make the assumption that they're representing everyone when when they're not you know they're just kind of espousing their their own personal view um so yeah it's a it's a noisy cluttered 
thing, which makes it all the more impressive though than what what comes out of it. Uh, you know that that we all collaborate on one database to to make them out. So. Yeah, I mean, um, I spent a lot of time in the Wikipedia community as well. All right. And dude. when you have like an interest group of people who they're you know they're just editing articles about trains all day, um, you know it it is it's going to be a very passionate and extremely opinionated group. That's just, you know, it comes with the territory. Um, and, you know, what some OpenStreetMap contributors have done where they've just made it their personal mission to correctly tag the highways in Canada, it's just like, you aren't going right. to get that kind of pure unpaid energy without getting um, a person behind it. Right, yeah. Well, that, yeah, that that's a good point. Yeah, and I guess the question is how to how to how to find a forum, how to create a, a space where we can all collaborate, be it from the 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 passionate hobbyists through the you know the big companies, and but also with very different skill levels. I mean, you you, you know, one of the challenges in OpenStreetMap is again again you have new people showing up who are typically very enthusiastic and come with good ideas, but you know, don't know the history and the problems of the past. And um, so, okay, well, um, uh, on that note, I guess we'll keep an eye on all the best to our friends at Mapbox and in the OpenStreetMap community. But um, uh, let's come back to your um, to your project with Placemark. So what how can people check it out or what, what um, do you have any schedule at all as to when people might, um, you know, we're, we're recording now kind of Q1 2022. When, when are you hoping to unleash the floodgates and, and let people in and have them start playing with it? Uh, so you can go to placemark.io right now and get on the email list. And that's just like a one-time email when I launch the thing, just okay. inviting folks. Um, Q2 is my target. That's, you know, uh, what all all release milestones are made up, but that's the one that I'm making up and trying to stick to. So sometime in Q2. Smart, Q2. smart move there to not to quote a year, just Q2, <laughs> maybe 2022, maybe 2023. Yeah. Very, very savvy. Um, no, I'm sure you'll get it out shortly. And uh, I mean, the screenshots I have seen, it, it does look very, very uh, interesting. Um, and sometimes I, I follow you on Twitter and sometimes you're always tweeting little how it's kind of going and little things you're working on. So that's always interesting to see. So, um, I advise people to check it out if you're, if you're doing much geodata editing, um, and, uh, yeah, we look forward to, uh, to seeing it when it's ready. So any final thoughts or, and also as, as we wrap up, what's kind of the best way for people to stay in touch with you if they, if the episode today has generated some questions? Uh, let's see. Yeah, I am more active than I should be on Twitter. Um, my Twitter thing is TMCW. Um, and if you just Google for that or for my last name, M-A-C-W-R-I-G-H-T, you will find all of my, you know, things on the internet. Um, and yeah, I'm trying to, there's a placemark.io blog, a traditional old school blog with an RSS feed, RSS 2.0. Um, and there's also a Twitter that essentially posts what the blog posts. So those are the okay. best ways to keep in track. We'll, we'll get all that in the show notes so that people can easily find it. All right. Very nice, Tom. Thanks very much for um, telling us all about Placemark and uh, look forward to testing it out soon. Bye. Yeah. Thank you so much.
Thanks, everyone, for joining us today and listening to the GMOP podcast. Hopefully, you've enjoyed the discussion. Please don't hesitate if you have any feedback for us or any um, suggestions for topics that we should uh, cover in the future. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, if you're not yet on the mailing list, please do get on the mailing list where we once a month send out an email announcing future events, summarizing past events, and just generally sharing uh, events that you may find of interest. Um, you can also, of course, follow us on Twitter, where our handle is Geomob. Um, you can follow Steven at Steven Feldman. You can follow me at Freifogel. Um, you can check out Mappery at Mappery.org. And, of course, if you need any geocoding, please check out my service, which is OpenCageData.com. We look forward to you joining us again at a future episode and, of course, seeing you at a future Geomob event. Hope to see you there soon. Bye. Bye.